Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Jaco Van Dalen, who's an experienced underground mine planner and surveyor um, who's currently working for Harmony Gold in South Africa. Um, and he's an avid listener to the uh, podcast. Um, and he reached out to us as he wants to talk about um, how advances in te- technology like virtual reality can help capture data from incidences that have occurred in mining um, and it can obviously help reduce these incidents and tragic events in the future. Um, obviously, we must take responsibility for improving our standards of unwanted events um, so that we can effectively migrate um, this occurrence in the future. Um, so he, um, Jayco hopes to sort of continue his research um, after his master's by utilising data from incidents and apply machine learning applications um, that would enable us to predict events in the future. Um, so I'd like to welcome uh, J.K. to the podcast. How are you doing, J.K.? Hi, Rob. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for hosting me. Um, I'm excited to share some of my research and some of the insights I've gained over the last few years. Yeah, no worries. And again, you're an avid listener. You reached out to reached out to me because um, obviously you feel very strongly about this and you've... Um, You've actually obviously done a lot of research um, and obviously you want to share what, what you found and what you're looking to continue in. So before we go into all of that, I wanted to give um, the audience, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, um, how you got obviously into mining um, and why you've just taken this um, this approach around um, obviously looking at virtual reality, looking at incidents and how you've gone down that path. Um, I basically joined the mine back in 2010. Back then, I was still working as a labourer, so worked my way up through the through the ranks as I got my qualifications. And I've been directly involved with forensic incident investigations for about the last 10 years, and all of it has been in deep-level gold mines within South Africa. Um, unfortunately, during the last 10 years, I identified various pitfalls in the current methodologies that that we're currently using for our forensic incident investigations. And I saw that the, the opportunity where we can actually improve on those pitfalls by the knowledge gained through the, the experience that we gained while we're doing all of these investigations. Um, the Unfortunately, the, the type of incidents varied from um, trackless equipment accidents, fall of ground accidents, um, rolling stock. So it's not only based on a specific type of mine accident or incident, it's based on a, a, a wide variety. And I'm also part of the mine rescue services. So I'm usually some of the first people on the scene when you try to recover or rescue a, a fellow mine worker. So you you encounter every type of mine incident that's possibly out there, whether it's a fire, whether it's full of ground. Um, unfortunately, we've seen it all and 
during the investigations, that's where I actually realized that there's better and smarter ways that we can conduct these investigations to get a be better insight of what we see in the, in the, the scene of the incident, as well as how that can impact the, the learning from incident processes that, that follows afterwards the, the initial investigations. Okay. Um, you've de uh, dedicated your last four years to researching forensic incidents uh, investigations. What inspired you to do this research? Basically, throughout the, the 10 years that I've been conducted, is I've, I've always I hammered on the, the pitfalls and always looked to optimize on, on the process. But unfortunately, the, the technology lagged at that specific time, so there wasn't any viable options available. Um, and some of the the technologies that 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 would be available is your normal 3D scanners, but it takes a lot of time to actually use that in a area where it's confined, where there's a lot of people, you have unions that's involved, you've got mine inspectors that's involved. So it's actually limiting the the, the surveyor on the allocated time of capturing the data. And I always felt that there's definitely a, a better way to, to do the investigations. And during the literature review for one of my um, subjects at the University of Witwatersrand, I actually came across literature where they found that there was a negative correlation between the quality of investigations and the safety performances of the operations that, was, that formed part of the, um, the study. So basically what happened was um, it was four or five very similar operations in the same country, same type of workforce. And then they investigated why did one of these operations have such a good safety record? And it came down to the quality of safety investigations. And that's when I realized once you can improve on the quality of your, your, your safety investigation, then actually you will be able to ultimately add value towards a safer mine. And that's basically how I found myself on researching methodologies of improving the quality of a um, forensic incident investigation. Um, according to your research, uh, why do current methodologies not satisfy the purpose of forensic uh, incident investigations? Unfortunately, the current methods that's, that's being used still today even, um, it's outdated. When I started 10 years back, it's the same method that's being applied today. And it's probably been the same for the last 20, 30 years in, in the South African mining space. Um, although there were some upgrades where sometimes you will use a theodolite instead of a tape or a, or a, um, a distometer. And in isolated situations, you do utilize the, the services of specialists and they make use of state-of-the-art 3D scanners. But that is something that happens very seldom and it's not, if you, you can say, like part of the standard operating procedure when it comes to an incident investigation. And that is where I see there's a big opportunity to actually using the, the, the pitfalls as a stepping stone for your optimization going forward. And is there a sort of global standard um, across the world um, that every company sort of follows regarding sort of their investigations? Is it, I mean, each, each, I suppose each country and each 
company will do things slightly different, but are they all following the same page in terms of sort of investigate, investigating any incidents? I think it's it deter, it's determined by the country where you're based in, and that would be according to the, the legislation. Um, in South Africa, we will follow the, the Mine Health and Safety Act, and according to that act, it will stipulate that there must be investigation, although it's not stipulated exactly how that investigation processes need to take place, like who's responsible exactly for what type of measurements, although it is the responsibility of the, the mine surveyor to conduct these type of investigations, there isn't like any formal type of training or standard operating procedures that guide you on how to conduct these type of in, um, incident investigations. And the big problem I have with that is that thankfully we were, we were working or progressing very well in reducing the, the number of incidents, but also then the the more experienced guys is actually leaving the mines because they come of age and the younger guys that needs to come in and take over doesn't have that type of experience to know exactly what to do. And I think that is when you're going to realize that is a, a critical need for a standard operating procedure to guide the new guys coming through to ensure that they also deliver on a quality investigation process. How... I mean, how how do you think, um, I suppose, the industry should improve their forensic uh, incident investigation processes? I think that they must definitely look at available technologies. As I mentioned earlier, um, when I first identified the pitfalls, it wasn't that easy to, to use available technologies, especially not at the, the price range, what you can get it now. Um, and I think that if they can really analyze the benefit of utilizing technology such as virtual reality, um, even though it's going to cost them ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, the saving can end up to be like one to two, three, one to two million dollars per day of production that it can actually save you. And as part of my masters, I'm trying to analyze the the, the life cycle of a we call it a section 54. That's the, as soon as the incident occurred, somebody got seriously injured. Um, we are issued with a section 54, section 55 by the DMR. And as from that moment, the investigation process basically starts with the departments of mineral and resources. They assign a, a, um, investigator or to come to the shaft. And that's when everything is basically standing until they are happy with the, the, how can I say it, the plan that you put in place to mitigate or prevent this from occurring. That can either be, say, for instance, if there was a fall of ground, you need to go and audit your working places, ensure that all the rock engineering standards is up to date, ensure that all the work is up to date. And basically, that can take anything between three and five days. And if you look at the life cycle of that investigation where they go through all of these processes, if we can reduce it with a half a day or one day, we can end up for a, a large operation like we have in, in the free state. Is it a Pong operation? We can end up saving them between one and two million dollars per day because what you need to take into account, it's a direct loss in revenue that you lose for every day that you're standing, but still you have a, a production cost that keeps going whether you're producing or not. So it's a, it's a much bigger influence than 
what you actually can can imagine. And I think once you compare apples with apples, then you realize that yes, even if I have to spend two three hundred thousand dollars, it can end up saving me one to two two million dollars in the long run, and that's per incident. So there's definitely value in investing in new methodologies, new technologies, and it's definitely becoming more available, more affordable, and more user-friendly. Um, what are some of the technologies at the moment that are working? Sorry, what are some of the um, like technological equipment that is working pretty well now? And I suppose looking into the future, what are some of the technologies that are being thought about now that could come into um i suppose reality or into into the industry in say four or five years time what are some of the forecasts in terms of the type of equipment that they're they're thinking about now bringing into the industry um i think before you can think about the futures you need to understand what's currently being researched and developed and how that's being um used as proof of concept for instance, the virtual reality, um, I think that has tremendous value going forward. Um, it enables you to create a digital twin of the environment where the, the incident occurs. It, there's a lot of advantages of that. You can have remote remote um, access to the site. For instance, if you have a specialist that sits in um, Canada and you've got a mine in Australia, that specialist can actually enter this virtual environment, make observations, leave comments in this environment and that's for all to see and it's not necessary to have the time delay of getting on a plane go to australia do the investigation and also it's increasing the cost of deploying a specialist to a, a scene of accident um, secondly you definitely are preserving the, the scene of the accident as evidence going forward um, you're preventing any tampering of evidence in that area if you can capture it as soon as possible. Um, you're preventing possible loss of a scene should there be a further deterioration in the in a case where there's a fall of ground accident. You can actually lose the entire scene before you have the opportunity to to investigate it. So definitely the use of virtual reality and creating a digital twin of a environment um, creates a lot of value and adds a lot of value in, in doing the investigation. Um, there is some pitfalls that I identified during my, my research with the, the virtual reality. As I first did the proof of concept in a, a mining simulation area and some of the, 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 the pitfalls were where it needs a lot of light. So I had to optimize and redesign the, the camera that I was using with X-ray illumination. And as soon as I did that, I was able to go underground and test it at a tunnel bore site on a platinum mine. And it actually produced very, very good results that enable so much more than just a referencing. All of a sudden, you're creating spatial data that's ready for machine learning. Um, you can identify rock engineering standards within the, the scene. And I think that's where the, the machine learning application can come in by utilizing this digital twin and verifying whether standards is according to the blueprint or whether something is out of standard, as well as it enables the investigators to gather enough historical data. 
and historical data is is basically what's needed again for training your your machine learning for predictions going forward so definitely i think everything is going to start with with virtual reality for now and then definitely in the future it is going to be how you merge the worlds of a digital twin in the form of virtual reality and machine learning that it's instead of reactive that you can actually almost like predict when something is going to happen and it's not like you're going to stare into a crystal ball you will be able to scan a current working place and the machine learning will be able to identify um, specific features that has been identified in the historical data and it can indicate that based on this we predict that there might be a fall of ground for instance um, so definitely, I think virtual reality is going to unlock a whole new world for the the computer science guys, where they can play around with the the machine learning and AI. Um, so yes, I think there's a lot of value in using virtual reality. It's not only a a space where you do training or you play games in. There's so much more advantages for the virtual reality. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um- how does your research and input build on the existing methodologies? As I said earlier, um, current methodologies that's being utilized by specialists in isolated cases is where they use a state-of-the-art 3D scanner, and that generates basically a very dense point cloud. But I don't know whether you have ever played around in a point cloud. For instance, if you have to give a point cloud to the psychologist that's part of the learning from incidents team when they look at what controls failed or if there's a need for new controls it's very difficult to navigate in that space and it's it's also it leaves some of the the the, the evidence in the the point cloud it's up to your imagination how you see something whereas with virtual reality it is like you are exactly in the same environment it's not just a millions of points is actually a environment that you can distinguish between writing and colors for instance that's not possible within a a point cloud so definitely it's it's building on that so i think after the 3d scanners virtuality scanners is definitely going to come in and now you're going to utilize that throughout the life cycle and gain extra information from that how did you select uh, virtual reality technologies as part of your of your uh, optimization? It's actually a very funny story because initially during the literature reviews I did for a previous project, I actually stumbled across an article that was written by Prof. Weber Youngman from University of Pretoria and Prof. Henny Grobler from University of Johannesburg. And they talked about the advantages of virtual reality should it be used one day and how it can be used for a training purposes as well afterwards and that's when i saw that is definitely it is something that can work theoretically but now it was to get hold of a virtual reality camera and it's not like you get a virtual reality camera around every corner but luckily at that time there was a virtual reality camera that's designed for um, real estate so it's the virtual reality tours of real estate and places of interest. It scans the place and you can basically enter this via the web browser and you go and observe, for, for example, a museum. And then I just thought, okay, 
it's now or never. I'm going to purchase this camera. It cost a lot of money. Um, and I started to use it at the University of Witwatersrand as part of my proof of concept. And from that day, it just opened a whole new world of possibilities because that led, obviously, it was it was um, successful during the, the proof of concept. It was used during a forensic investigation. It did save money. It did save time. And all of a sudden, you realize that, that this is the way to go forward. And the initial investment actually is now worthwhile because it's opened some, the possibilities for so much more. If it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have made the connections between the spatial data and machine learning going forward. And I just think it, yeah, it was just at the right time, at the right place, and using something that's not designed for the mining industry but a little bit of creativity made a connection of using available technology in other industry and applying it in mining. And I think there's so, so many other technologies that we can take that's already been developed, especially even though my, my interest is in the incident investigations. If you look at digital twins, how you can actually use a digital twin for a project management tool on a deepening project of a mine. You can literally, instead of an entire project plan in a Excel spreadsheet or what other document, you can actually have a 3D model and you can visually see processes running, how they clash with each other, how you can optimize it. So, yeah, but that's just one of the, the examples of how you can use available technologies from other industries and apply it in our industry. Yeah, no, it's good how you've, how you've identified that and obviously that that is uh you thinking obviously outside the box and i think anyone listening to this uh, uh podcast or even watching the youtube channel if you see or hear things that the whether it's technology or whether it's a process or system that they're using in a different industry think and it's not being used in the mining industry it's just thinking a little bit outside the box whether that particular process that could be working well in one industry whether that can then be effective in the mining industry and it's about identifying that maybe doing some testing and seeing obviously speaking to other experts in in that field um and and then working with it like like you've done so that's really good that you've identified that um so what is your next phase of research and development entail so basically the next phase is, is part of the, the master's program I'm doing with, coincidentally, with Prof. Eni Grobler from University of Johannesburg. I've known him for the last probably nine years already, and I've consulted him numerous times on other projects that we were doing. For example, the reef boring, reef spoiling technology that we tested out during Anglo-Goldeshanti's days. Um, but basically, we identified the need to improve the quality of our incident investigations. And part of that is to capture the black box data of a incident. And that's basically any area of interest that can't be accessed because it's deemed too, too dangerous or the risk hazard is too high. Um, and basically capturing that data with um, unmanned aerial or terrestrial vehicles that's augmented with various types of sensors to capture these type of data. And 
a lot of people would ask, but why would you make use of a unmanned vehicle to actually enter these environments? And the, the answer is actually quite simple is we are exposing the investigation team to the exact same hazards that the person that was injured or fatally killed, fatally injured in that vicinity to the same hazards by accessing the scene. Whereas the technologies is there where you can actually, from a distance, from a safe area, access the scene, capture more data that has ever been possible, and even go beyond a point where you would have thought you will be able to capture data. And I think once you, you capture the, the black box data, that's when only you're going to realize, okay, but listen, everybody maybe thought this was the reason for the accident to occur, but no one thought about this or this. But that will only be possible once we capture data that hasn't been possible so far. And that's either going to be by the use of drones or robotics in the form of little remote control cars. Um, we've got Spot, the robot dog. So, yeah, we're going to test some of that in a controlled environment. We're going to do some time studies to see exactly what is the benefit of accessing this areas um, because keep in mind some of your smaller robotics does have limited um, flight time so it needs to be something that's cost effective and that is efficient to capture the the information that's required for the investigation to go forward um and conclusion uh, sorry concluding uh, what's the future of forensic uh, incident investigations so I've initially developed a rapid access model version one, which is the um, digital twin that's being accessed. Then I think the future will definitely have something like the rapid access model version two, where it's actually used as a um, preventative tool, a risk assessment tool of current working places. And unfortunately, that will only be possible if you've captured enough historical data or if you can base your assumptions on blueprints as, as prescribed for the mining engineers to, to, to follow through underground. And then you can actually go and scan an area with either handheld scanner, drone, or robotics, and you can do a type of risk assessment on that area. And I think the, the advantage of, of a system like that, it's not going to be biased. Um, unfortunately, it's human in our human that when when you go to a a working place and it's it's very difficult to actually have a subjective view of a um, a a work current working place and rating that according to 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 the the criteria that that you've been given. So I think the 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 amount of data that you capture is so large and there's so much insights to gain from that. So I definitely think going forward, it's going to be using machine learning in current working places for a type of risk assessment. Yes, certainly. And um, Jaco, really appreciate your time in sharing your um, your research, your findings, and um, and I suppose your work that you're doing around this, because obviously it's, this is important. Um, obviously, health and safety is probably number one um, aspect within the mining mining industry and it's it's important everyone wants to go to work and come home that that day or that night um so it's really good that you've you're you're looking at ways to improve obviously on health and safety in any incidents that happen so 
Um, I, I imagine uh, everyone that listens to this um, really encourages you um, and really continue continue on your research and um, and look at obviously all these improvements that the mining industry can undertake. If any of our audience has any questions around um, their forensic investigations or may have some questions around particular health and safety that they feel um, maybe virtual reality can maybe assist in that, how can these uh, um, people that w- have questions that they want answered, how can they reach you? They're welcome to contact me via my personal um, email account, jakubvandalen at gmail.com, or send me a, a message on LinkedIn, jakubvandalen, um, and I'll gladly respond. And if I can't assist, I'll probably know somebody that will be able to, to have an answer. Over the last few years, I've been fortunate enough to, to build a, a network of, of experts in this field that has been assisted me greatly. So definitely, if there's any questions, any comments, please please share with me and I'll come back to you on that. Yeah, great. Uh, Jake, I'd like to really appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, can um, really wish you continued success in the future. Um, everyone that's listening, hope you enjoyed that. Obviously, it's a very important subject and um, uh, Jake is obviously looking at ways to improve in health and safety and and, any incidents that occur, how can we sort of minimise or um, reduce these? Um, So we'd like to thank Jaco for sharing his his expertise and his research. And anyone else that is obviously listening to this podcast that is doing something like a project like Jaco's doing uh, around a particular issue, um, then I welcome you to uh, reach out to me um, and maybe come on as a guest like Jaco who reached out to me uh, and wanted to share his um, his knowledge, his research to help benefit our mining industry and, and provide education to the mining community. So hope you enjoyed that. Please, if you um, if you can like, if you're watching the YouTube channel, um, share the episode amongst those in the industry. And um, yeah, really appreciate Jaco for coming on and um, sharing his, uh, his knowledge and wisdom. So until next time, Happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.